doesn't God love us this way? Loving someone so much you allow yourself to be vulnerable. You see, we see this kind of love in God, we see this kind of love in Christ, and we see this kind of love in his disciples. To truly love, we must allow ourselves to be vulnerable. Now, Luke 15. We'll read verses 11 through 32. Now, I know this is a longer passage, but bear with me. Luke 15, verses 11 through 32, the text says, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in, and his father came out and entreated him, but his father answered, Look, the, or he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now, there are a few things I want to highlight about this passage. First off, this son, he asked his father for the inheritance. Okay, now, this is just disrespectful. All right, this is essentially the son is saying to his dad, yeah, you know what, I wish you were dead. You know, I want the the money I'm supposed to get when you die, so just go ahead and give it to me. This is so disrespectful, and yet, the father, he gives him his inheritance. Honestly, uh, maybe in our minds it would have made more sense if the father said, you know what, son, you're not going to get a single penny, and how about you leave? But this father, he allows himself to be vulnerable. 
He gives up a good portion of his estate. And the son wastes it. The son wastes it, and then the son has the audacity to come back to the father so he could at least live. Ironically enough, this, this son, he wished death upon his father, and now he has to come back to his father so he could at least live. And this father, he sees him a way off, implying he was waiting for this disrespectful son. And he does something unthinkable for the time. He runs. Now, running during this time was undignified for an older person, especially a wealthy person, but the father doesn't care. The father doesn't care about the cultural norms. The father doesn't care how other people are going to view him. The father doesn't care that he just lost a bunch of his wealth, not to mention the father does not care that he has been emotionally vulnerable. I wouldn't have been surprised if the father told his servants, go drive him off. I don't want to see him again. At least that's what we all would think would be appropriate. And if we're honest with ourselves, we don't really like to be vulnerable like this father allows himself to be vulnerable, do we? But of course, this father here represents God, not us. See, God's, God loves us so much that he allows himself to be Vulnerable. Now, if you don't believe me, consider the fact that God created this world and this whole universe, universe for us to thrive in, to live in, and to worship him in. And yet we destroy the world and we reject him. And if you don't think that when we reject God, it doesn't have an effect on him, read Hosea. Rejection does have an effect of, on God. And furthermore, God, he made himself vulnerable by becoming a man, Jesus. God subjected himself to the pains of the world. He met us face to face. Not that we didn't have a relationship with him, but this was different. Face to face, he had close friends. Close friends who rejected him. A close friend who sold him to die. He even loved those who were mocking him. He even loved those who were beating him. He even loves us when he was in the most pain. Because of his love, he allowed himself to become vulnerable. And we're called to do the same. We say we love him and his people, and yet we shy away in the face of a little public scrutiny. We say we love him and his people, and yet we, we just bypass and we try not to make eye contact with the homeless people we see on the corner of the street. We say we love him and his people, and yet we're just content with coming to church and calling that bearing our cross. Because it's easy and it doesn't require much vulnerability. And as disciples of Christ, we are called to love. Let me draw your, your attention to the uh, disciples of the early church. Peter in Acts 2, he preaches the gospel to the very people that killed Jesus. That didn't stop him. In Acts 4, Peter and John, they were thrown into prison. That didn't stop them. In Acts 7, Stephen, he preached the gospel and he was stoned to death. That didn't stop them. Peter, Andrew, Thomas, Philip, Matthew, Bartholomew, Matthias, these are all people, all apostles and all disciples who have, are believed to have died for their faith. 
Why? Because they allowed themselves to be vulnerable because of their love. Another great example of this vulnerable love is Paul. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 12, verses uh, 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now these hardships, they're actually detailed in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 through 30. The text says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once time I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, and hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and an exposure. And apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Now the Greek word Paul uses here for weakness is asthenia, and it's the same concept as vulnerability. Paul, he allows himself to be vulnerable to insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. He even says he is content with these things. Paul is content with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. No matter what it was, he did not compromise his love for the sake of being comfortable. You see, from God's love for us displayed in the parable of the prodigal son to Christ's love for us displayed ultimately on the cross to the disciples of Christ and their love for God and his people, we see that to truly love, you have to be vulnerable. So what does this look like? Maybe you should need to open yourself up to someone struggling, talk with them, listen to them about what they're struggling with. It means uh, being honest with your struggles, being honest with your sin struggles with somebody else, encouraging them, knowing that they're not alone, that they're not the only one who is struggling. It looks like uh, spending time with people who need love and who need maybe even just uh, physical things, maybe they need a roof over their heads. It means sharing your life story and your struggles. The reason I told you the story at the beginning of the sermon was to be vulnerable. I'm sure you can all think of more ways. You see, we're not called to a life of comfort in Christ. We are called to a life of love in which we are to be vulnerable. Hence, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. 1 Corinthians 13, 
7. Now, it's unlikely that any of us here will face this, but we're even called to be vulnerable to the point of willing to die for our faith. Vulnerable to the point of death. To truly love, we have to be vulnerable. To end, I'll leave you with a C.S. Lewis quote. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. The sermon is yours.